Hello listener, welcome to Switch It. It's getting parky in Blighty, but we're all about Pakistan, as England's test men prepare to jump back into the cauldron for the first time since 2005-06. Ben Stokes and Brendan McCullum are at the wheel and ready to go off-road in their first touring assignment since England went baz to the future earlier this year. Let's hope they've got breakdown cover. While we huddle around the TV for a series of 5am starts, it falls to assistant editor Vatushan Ehantaraja to haul his high-end skincare regime around the subcontinent for the next three weeks. But he's available thanks to the wonders of the internet to join myself and Andrew Miller in previewing the first test in Rawalpindi, which begins on Thursday. First of all, Vish, um, impressions of Pakistan after a couple of days in the country. I noticed you haven't Instagrammed any of your meals yet. No, I haven't really, because I haven't really got out of the hotel. It's just basically been hotel, ground, back to hotel. Um, there is talk of maybe a local shisha lounge tonight for the football, um, so I can report back from that. That would be a good diary entry, wouldn't it? Yeah. Certainly afterwards. Um, but no, no, it's mostly been uh, cricket, critters, and the odd stray cat, yeah. Nice, and everyone likes cat pictures. They do. Well, the internet certainly does. I, I'm I'm pretty ambivalent to cats, but you know I I know where my bread's buttered when it comes to um, selling my Twitter profile. So um, there'll be more of that coming forward. Yeah. Oh, Miller knows all about cats and cricket. Certainly do. Well, I, I know all about Pakistan cats as well. When I was out there <laughs> on the uh, on the 2005 tour, I was staying in a hotel near Baggy Dinner in Lahore, and two nights running I was I thought I was going absolutely mad I wrote a diary entry about it back in the day and it was uh there was this meowing sound I was like there was a cat in my cupboard I was getting out of the bed at three o'clock in the morning open the cupboard and eventually convinced myself it was the overhead fan uh but no two days later this cat appears at the window scrambling at the window trying to get in it was stuck on the ledge um so I ended up having to kick the window in and um then ended up with a cat living under my bed instead but uh, <laughs> slight improvement uh, yeah, so I last saw it living on living on leftover naan from a from a from a tray outside a different um, outside a different room and uh, happy as a happy as Larry the cat. <laughs> well, let's hope um, England aren't living on scraps through this tour. Um, memories of memories of Rawalpindi um, Miller. I think you were there um, seventeen years ago for the for the ODI. Uh, I was, I was there. I was there. I was there twenty-two years ago. More to the point, I was, I was, I was there on the, on the two thousand tour. And um, in fact, my first memory was being tear gassed. Uh, there was a, there was a there was a monstrous great riot. Um, basically, they sold they sold the tickets because Islamabad and Royal India right next door to each other, uh, and they managed to in 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 the in a feat of feat of uh, organisational genius, they sold the same tickets twice in both cities, and so twice as many people as could get in turned up and. It was a it was a hilarious riot actually as, as riots go. Um, it was, it, basically, all of these all of these fans they couldn't get into the ground, and so it was it was the most good natured riot I've ever seen. They basically thought, well, if we can't watch the cricket, let's just have a riot, and they, they spent the rest of the day just baiting the police outside and playing tag with the police horses and then getting tear gas for their uh, for the for good measure. And there was there was one moment when when one chap tried to scale the um, the floodlights. He sort of shinned his way up the floodlights and. Uh, Got to the top and had a view into the into the stadium to to watch the watch the game, until some some big mustachioed dude with with a lati sort of started shinning up the shinning up the floodlight after him and it, it, it was a, it was one of it was a classic game of cat and mouse I mean cats are everywhere though Tom Tom and Jerry and <laughs> properly properly comedic with the entire entire riot basically paused to watch this 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 moment of 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 yeah inevitability as this bloke got hauled down. Sounds uh, sounds like it was more memorable than the cricket. Yeah, yeah. I genuinely don't remember what happened to the cricket. I think England lost. They usually did, and I, I think they had to pause because um, Alex Stewart got tear gas in his eyes because it started drifting across the pitch. Um, and I'm sure that was the reason England lost. Yeah, yeah. File it under um, a bit of a local difficulty. Um, Vish, there was a. You were expecting a welcoming party, I think, um, uh, organised by Imran, Imran Khan. But has that has that been called off? I think so. Yeah, I, I think there's been. I don't know. I, I think he. It was agreed that it wouldn't clash with the cricket, you know, because the cricket's the most important thing, obviously. Um, <laughs> and you know, I didn't realise that, you know, baseball would have, have such a profound effect on peace in other parts of the world. But evidently so. Yeah. Yeah. If only for a week. 
yeah, it's what the, it's what the people want. I'm um, I'm sure. Let's talk baseball on tour then. Um, Miller, the, the the pace of play in the subcontinent is is often uh, described along the lines of slow, slow, quick, quick. Uh, as as the pitch breaks down towards day four and five, how is that going to square with England's current quick, 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 quick approach? Yeah, good question. I mean, I can't wait to find out. Frankly, I mean, what 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 the hell? Why why not give it a go? I mean, it it it, it was it succeeded against everyone's expectations. Well, obviously, not mine. I thought it was going to succeed, but everyone else's <laughs> expectations last summer. You know, look, keep keep going harder, and 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 it'll come good. And yeah, it might come a cropper, just as it came a cropper in that in that Lord's Test against South Africa. It doesn't mean that going wrong is proof that it's a bad policy. In terms of in terms of whether it can succeed, I mean, funnily enough, uh, you know, on that last tour in two thousand five, England weren't exactly basketballers then, but they were a similar similar type of team, you know, very much with with Flintoff and Peterson as uh, and Triscothic as well, all these guys who were who were best when allowed to play with freedom and play with attacking mindset and it's easily forgotten in the midst of that 2-0 defeat especially with the crushing defeat in the second test but that first test at Multan you know massive sliding doors moment for for England's team that particular team possibly was going to crumble anyway because they were all getting injured Uh, but at that particular moment England lost by 22 runs but going into that final day, it looked like England had had pulled it off. It looked like England had had taken this tempo of you know Marcus Scothic got a massive one nine three I think it was. Andrew Flintoff bowled brilliantly, got eight wickets in the match, and you know bowled with heart and pace and and all the skill that England has shown all summer. And then they got done in by Sherbachter and Danish Canary on the final day, and it looked like proof that yeah okay this this you can't take this attitude to Pakistan. They, you will. Uh, come a cropper. I don't. I don't actually su- subscribe to that. I think England came bloody close to winning a very impressive victory on that tour, and it could have been different. So, you know, to fast forward seventeen years later, can England take the confidence and the mindset and the belief that you know we're 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 on a roll here, and run with it? I think they can. Um, it might go wrong. Of course, it might go wrong. But I don't think there's any reason for England to go into this second guessing themselves. Um, I think it's. I think they've, they've they've proven already this year that the way they're doing things is as good a plan as they've had in a long, long time. Um. Yeah. We heard from, or you heard, uh, Vish from Brendan McCullum yesterday. Um. At the, at the risk of becoming a sort of Shane Warne cliche made flesh, they are very much prepared to lose to win. Um, and at the moment, that that seems like that vibe is gonna is gonna um, carry them a long way potentially, and, and people are going to be quite forgiving of that, um, given that touring teams don't often have a lot of success in Pakistan. Yeah, yeah, it, it's funny because it's probably an argument that works better away from home than it does at home, doesn't it? In terms of uh, you know the amount of times we've seen, um, obviously not really Pakistan, but certainly in the UAE against Pakistan, where you know, you switch on and it's just tedious in India, and sorry, in England are being ground into the dust again. And it's like, we, you know, we always have so many options of doing things differently, whether it was Adil Rashid or, you know, whoever else or playing a certain way. In fact, I say playing a certain way. It was never batting a different way, was it? It was always like, oh, you know, we've just got to be more patient. We've got to almost double down on traditional test cricket. And I think that's why there's quite a lot of excitement around this series, certainly from an English perspective. I'm not sure how it's translating back home. But the real vibe amongst the team seems to be that, oh, you know what, this is actually pretty cool because it's not quite a free hit, but it's as, it's as good a free hit as they got at the start of the summer, given the run of results leading up to that point. Um, and I think what, I wrote about it yesterday in terms of, you know, there was always something else. It was always, okay, you beat New Zealand that first test. Let's see you do it for the whole series. Oh, you've done that. Let's see you do it against India. Oh, okay, fine. Try and do it against South Africa. And now, legitimately, if they can't do it against Pakistan, they've not really lost anything, have they? There's, there's no, no one saw this at the start of the year and thought, "Wow, you know, that's some, that's a, you know, that's a series England could win." And, and obviously, the, perhaps the odds are a little bit more in their favour with the absence of Shane Chara But yeah, I, I really get the sense that the the England team, in particular, kind of just think, "Why not again?" And it's. Maybe playing this way is the easiest way to sustain that. I think maybe if they'd want, if they'd replicate the same results they did over the summer, playing a more recognisable brand of Test cricket, that there would be an element of 
I don't know, having them more as favourites or certainly having them um, play in a way that was quite restrictive in terms of it's not really a plan B when you play like that. And on, on this, you know, their plan B is actually that well, they can always resort to that. Jimmy Anderson mentioned it in his press today on Tuesday, which is um, two days out from the game, that a lot of the play might be about absorbing, absorbing pressure, but there will be moments where you can go at Pakistan and, and those opportunities, I suppose they're, they're in a great position to take those opportunities or certainly go hard at them and leave, leave a bit of an impact on them in terms of, you know, not just laying a glove on Pakistan, but actually, you know, a sizable blow that might take out a bowler. So, yeah, you know, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out over the next few weeks, but it feels like they're in a good position to, I suppose, to do exactly what they, they say they want to do. Um, Miller, you mentioned the uh, the 2000, uh, 2000, 2001 tour. That's England. I've only won twice in Pakistan, going back to, to 1961, 62, I think. Um, obviously, on that occasion, famously, Nasser Hussain's uh, approach uh, as captain was all about hanging in the game for as long as possible. Ben Stokes, when he took over uh, in the summer, uh, said he, he was going to be you know, as far removed from a Nasser Hussain captaincy as it was possible to be. But um, the, the most recent team to win in Pakistan, Australia, did so earlier this year. Again, a lot of it was based upon staying in the game, scoring enough runs uh, for when that moment when things change, flip around with reverse swing or, or you know, a, a, a crazy period. Um, I mean, in England, unless they do showcase this sort of um, adaptability that Vish has just touched upon, they're potentially going to, going to be trying to win against the grain um, with yeah. Basball. Yeah, I, I, there is a tr- there is truth to that, but I think most the most fundamental thing that the, the team has got to do in these sort of conditions is be true to itself. And I think you know, going back to England's last two tours of Pakistan, and in fact, that entire five year period from the Nasser Hussain sort of resurrection of England to Michael Vaughan taking over to to the collapse of the team, um, it was the key po- the key moments were all about how England were true to the captain who set their plan and they they went with it. So Hussein's point was stay in the game, do not give them an inch, take the chance when it comes, and lo and behold, they did that. Uh, but then Michael Vaughan, when he took over, there, there was that brief period, if you recall, when he was captain in uh, Sri Lanka, 2003. So that was that was his first winter as captain. And he tried to lead the team in a similar sort of vein that Hussein had managed to lead the team. And, and you know, they had their consecutive um, consecutive near misses, saving the game twice in, in Sri Lanka, and then got hammered in the third test because they simply weren't true to themselves. They were not playing the type of cricket that a guy like Michael Vaughan, who obviously the previous winter against Australia had started using his feet and attacking the McGrath and Warren and taking the game to two of the greatest bowlers in the world... That was his natural game. He had to mould a team that could play in his vision. And so I think the key thing is that whatever England do, they've got to make sure that they're not going to second-guess themselves, not going to sort of one, you know, panic because plan A has gone wrong and they, right, pull the handbrake on, we've got to completely change the way we're doing things. I'm not sure that's going to work, particularly with a guy like Stokes and the way that this team is set up. You know, we've seen, you know, likewise... The way that England played in the Caribbean previously, a lot of the similar guys, you know, Zach Crawley and co were, were in this team when England were playing really, really rubbish test cricket uh, before Stokes took over because they were playing in a way that did not fit the mould of the team. And so, the, 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 you know, yes, of course, there's a degree of, of patience required. And that, you know, any game that lasts for five days or at least can last for five days requires a degree of patience. But I don't think that's the same thing as as thinking, you know what, OK, we're in a completely different environment here. We've, we've got to double down on a different way of thinking. I think I think it's very important for this team to be true to itself. And the, it can be done. It can, You can win in different styles, in different in different um, different countries. I don't think there's any prescribed way to, to skin any particular cat in any particular condition to be to be perfectly oh, cats again. Back, back um, to the cats. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um I mean, the stats stats do suggest Pakistan is a, is a good place to go and bat. So I suppose if um, 500 is a pass score, you might as well try and get there as quickly as you can um, and leave a bit of room to push things on. Um, 
in terms of buying into the the Baz blueprint, um, there's going to be uh, well, I'm, uh, it sounds like the team are all believers uh, anyway. But there's a few changes to the side um, that won success out of seven in the summer. Um, Vish, we're expecting Ben Duckett to come in as opener. Uh, you spoke to him earlier in the week, I think. Yeah, Ben Duckett, who actually, of all the openers available to England at the moment, I'd include, include Zach Crawley in that, is probably best suited for how this team play. I think if you look at how he's played at the top of the order, you know, I suppose it, you know, through his whole career, primarily as an opening batter, um, but most recently with Nottinghamshire at number three, um, he's someone who goes hard at the ball. And I thought it was interesting, actually, speaking to him about you know, the 60-year delay, he obviously made his debut for England in tests and, and in all internationals, actually, in the winter of 2016 in Bangladesh and India, which are proposed, well, which were very different challenges to what he's facing here. But there was a lot of talk about the six-year delay between caps and also the fact that he said in a couple of interviews prior to me talking to him that he, um, that 12 months ago, he didn't think he'd play for England again. And I kind of dug into the weeds on that a little bit. And it wasn't so much about ability or belief. It was more down to the fact that he didn't feel like he played test cricket in the way that, or rather he played Red Bull cricket in the way that England were looking for in tests. And, you know, he also admitted that actually watching from afar over the six years that didn't really seem like a fun place to be. It didn't really seem like anyone was particularly enjoying themselves. And having had quite a chastening experience in Bangladesh and India, he didn't really know if he wanted to put himself through that. Um, and if you look at the runs he scored for Nottinghamshire in the 2022 summer when Nottinghamshire got um, promoted as Division Two champions, he, he was scoring his runs at 76, um, which is remarkable, really. Um, but bear in mind, like, he wasn't. The, he scored 300s. As even Mead led the line for Nottinghamshire with four. But Ben Duckett was the one that kind of took them away from other teams and, and really set them apart from the rest. And I really do think this is this could be his time, really. I mean, it's not to say he's going to be, you know, going to be immense straight away, but I think he's someone who always, somehow, after all these years, even with some of the things that he's been through, none of it too drastic, almost all of, all of it self-enforced beyond the hand injury that he came back from, he still held on to that joie de vivre. And I think there's, it's quite easy to say that batters mature in their late 20s. I think what he's done well in terms of batting, he's actually held on to the immaturity, held on to the fact that he enjoys playing shots, that he wants to play shots, that he doesn't really care if he, if he gets out. And I think white ball hit cricket has helped a lot with that. He's had a bit of a taste of the franchise circuit and you saw how he played out in Pakistan in the T20s a couple of months ago or a month and a half ago. Um, the reverse sweeps, the sweeps, they're a little bit more refined, but not really. Um, he, doesn't, he doesn't care if he goes over the top, you know, when he's hitting through cover or going along the floor. Um, he's a very much a, you know, he's a boundary hitter. He only hit, interestingly, he only hit one six in the championship last year, but he hit so many fours. And I think that speaks more of a natural boundary hitter in Red Bull than it does if you hit a lot of sixes. Because you, cause you've really got to think to hit a six, whereas a four is more, that's a more, more natural shot, especially against the Red Bull. And if you consider the length that people bowl in Red Bull and stuff like that. Um, and it's more about reaction. I don't believe you can react and hit a six unless you're hitting a full shot, but you can when it comes to, you know, moving forward to the ball or reacting as the ball comes off the pitch. And, you know, he's a good cutter as well. So um, I'm, I'm very excited about this. I, I think he, I think actually this will go really well for him. And if it's not, that's on me. But, I th I, you know, I think this is, uh, this could be a very profitable winter for Ben Duckett. Yes. Well, England are very much a team under McCullum that says duck it and goes harder um <laughs> Miller uh, they're uh, uh that we're sort of getting an idea of how this this team will shape up um there is of course no Johnny Bairstow uh, you'd expect that Harry Brook would keep his place in in the middle order um Stuart Broad's not touring because he's just become a father uh, and and England have a few sort of spin options. We might come on to that in a little bit more detail. Um, in particular, I mean, it looks like, and Vish might want to jump in here as well, but it looks like there's a, a choice for a, a debutant um, spin bowling all-rounder um, in the shape of either Liam Livingston or Will Jacks um, sort of 
runs down the order and options with the ball. Is that is that the way you kind of see things going? Yeah, it do, it does feel as though Will Jacks is probably the man in 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 the hot seat there, and not not least because of the way in which he's been set up really for this opportunity by Surrey. I mean, it's it's fascinating actually the the, the way in which Surrey have gone about sort of building him into this spin bowling all rounder, particularly as Gareth Batty, the the, the interim now full time head coach. Uh, was a spin bowler himself, and you know a very fine one who who toured toured uh, uh, Asia in particular with England over the years. But he has taken the view at Surrey that no, well, I'm I'm not going to back um, the likes of uh, uh, I'm, I'm a Verdi and um, various others who are sort of more pure spinners. Dan Moriarty, <laughs> yeah, Dan Moriarty, exactly that. And the guys who guys who are the the, the pure spin bowlers, he's gone down the route that no, I'm going to I'm going to trust a guy to score runs and spin the ball. Nicely, and lo and behold, they won the county championship with with that with that with that approach. So, um, you know, he's got the confidence that comes from being trusted in the role already, albeit in very different conditions in county cricket. And now, probably, is the guy who who will get that first opportunity to partner Leach. Um, I mean, as mentioned previously, Liam Livingston is a fascinating choice. I I I, I can still see Matt's eyebrows arching when 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 we, when we discussed uh, the possibility of. Uh, of Livingston being called up to the squad uh, on, on a pod a few few months ago, but in, you know his Red Bull figures are, are are not exactly remarkable. But then you know that's kind of where we're at with this with this this team at the moment. It's a, it's a white ball ethos being forged onto a red ball canvas, and um, as long as they go in with you know putting their best ball forward, so to speak, um, what could possibly go wrong? I mean, you know, we've, England have England been doing this for years. I remember what Ian Blackwell got got called up to. Uh, the tour tour of India and what, about about twenty years ago as uh, as a, as a guy who could give the ball a thump and uh, and 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 potentially bowl a few overs of, of serviceable spin, it didn't work in his case. It might not work in Jax's, but in terms of in terms of providing England with the options required to carry on playing in the way that they see fit, it's not a bad one because you know if he ends up scoring a handy forty from fifty balls at number seven or wherever he ends up batting and helps England to extrapolate further runs in their innings at a decent lick that gives them time to take 20 wickets in the way that they were doing last summer, then, you know, if he only bowls a couple of overs but gets one to rip and pop and gets caught short leg, you know, he's 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 probably on balance done his job, even if in the, in the conventional analysis of a scorecard, you might not be able to quite tell what he's contributed it, 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 you know England I think are trying to be the, more than the sum of their parts you know it, 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 we talk about uh, Ed Smith's total cricket a, a lot on this pod but you know when England won 3-0 in Sri Lanka in in uh, 2018 uh, they went down a similar sort of route of you know a lot of guys can do a lot of roles in this job therefore not nothing is going to be carried by a single bloke uh, and I suppose that is uh, that is the merit of of, of trusting England to ex- extend their batting with with heavy artillery all the way down, and it just so happens that quite a lot of them can uh, can be quite serviceable with the ball uh, when when the need arises. You know what? Um, I came to the UAE and then on to Pakistan thinking jacks, and over the last couple of days, um, I think I'm heavily Liam Livingston now, just because of the things that McCullum has said and the way he's been training. Obviously, one of the things that is quite easy to spot is who nets first in that, you know, in that kind of battle. And Livingston has basically had first dibs when it comes to batting in the nets. Um, he's bowled a fair bit as well, as, had, as has Jax. Jax looks the more natural bowler. But, you know, we had McCullum talking on Monday and, I mean, he was basically... It was like he was talking about his cricketing son in terms of, you know, bowls a bit of leg spin, hit it miles, what's not to like. And from there, I was like, OK, there you go. That's that's kind of it. And you mentioned about Ben Stokes's relationship with Liam Livingston as well, fellow Cumbrian, um, cut from the same cloth, uh, in a scrap on and off the field. You know, he went behind you. And, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's Livingston. And I think that is... The, the pick that makes the less the, the least amount of cricketing sense, and for that reason, I'm I'm kind of all for it. Um, I don't really know how it's going to pan out, um, but I do know it'll be fun. And and actually, all told, it's probably a bit of a luxury luxury because one of the things that we haven't spoken about um, over the last uh, couple of weeks is Joe Root. 
Joe Root is a legitimate, legitimate bowling option now. He's no longer captain. He's no longer burdened by that and has to think about himself as an option instead of the stress of tactics and things like that. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm, I'm almost 100% sure that's the way they're going to go. And, I mean, I'm excited by it. It might be utter nonsense, but it's the good kind of nonsense. Miller, um, in terms of the bowling attack, uh, that looks like England will be going in with sort of three frontline bowlers, essentially, in uh, James Anderson, uh, 40 years of age, uh, Ollie Robinson and uh, Jack Leach. Uh, No Mark Wood for this test, he's been ruled out. Uh, How confident are we that uh, that's an attack that can take 20 wickets in um, what could be... uh, Rawalpindi has a a reputation for slightly favouring, you know, seam seam bowling, but um, equally the last time, the last test played there between um, Australia and Pakistan uh, did not come anywhere close to uh, providing a result. Yeah, I mean, when you put it like that, Three frontline bowlers and no ninety mile an hour quicks. Um, it, it it does sound like an accident waiting to happen. And you know, in 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 a week's time when we reconvene, we'll almost certainly be be post morteming on the fact that well, how did England ever expect to win with two medium paces and one of them's forty years old and one of them's got an injury problem and all the rest of it. Um, but you know what? It's as good as it's as good a, a lineup as England can hope to have in the absence of Mark Wood, who obviously is, you know, being saved for saved for a, a big push later in the series. I mean, Anderson, we saw what he could do on 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 um, Indian pitches last year. That 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 famous over two two in swinging stump rattlers that, that that helped helped England to victory in 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 Chennai, wasn't it? There's not much point in going over the old ground about you know Anderson can only perform in in English conditions. With that 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 nonsense was was scotched years ago. His record in all conditions in in the last five years in particular is stellar. Um, if there is one thing about Anderson that you perhaps could quibble is that he is a masterful defensive bowler when when conditions are not the most helpful. So you know he'll probably go for one and over. Uh, for his entire spell, but will he be able to take three, four, five wickets uh, in that time? You know, you, you know, typical Anderson spell in these sort of conditions is I don't know two for two for fifteen in in well, two 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 for twenty in twenty overs or something like that. Can he make it four for twenty six in eighteen? You know, <laughs> that would that would that would be handy. Uh, as for Ollie Robinson, I mean, the, you know. The, the one thing about him is his extraordinary height and the, the release point that he that he brings to bear is just awkward. It, it, you know, even though it doesn't come down at express pace, he does seem to have the fitness that he didn't didn't have at the beginning of the year. He's really knuckled down on that, and his release position allied to his relentless accuracy. You know, it's Glenn McGrath esque when he when he gets it right. Uh, and so, you know, would you want to take Glenn McGrath out to uh, Pakistan? In a bid to win a series, of course he would. I mean, if if he can bowl with that that those sort of attributes, then he's of course going to be an asset. Um, he's not a ninety mile an hour bowler. I mean, that is the one thing that England will potentially rue. But we knew that from the moment that Wood and Archer and Ollie Stone and everyone else fell off a perch a couple of years ago, and you know England's best laid plans for overseas conditions were, were went up in smoke. We've known that they're trying to do things differently, and therefore. You know, realistically, it, it, it's about, as we said, covering off the weaknesses with doubling down on their strengths, which in England's case, by the looks of it, is scoring lots of runs quickly and having enough options to uh, to mix it up a bit. I mean, Ben Stokes' bowling could be vital in these conditions. You know, he's not considered a frontline bowler because he's such a great all-rounder, but, you know, his ability to make things happen and find swing where others can't, uh, that could be crucial in these conditions. So... You know, and Joe Root, as as Vish was saying, you know, he's he's a guy who took six for eight in, a, in an Asian test not so long ago. There, there are ways ways in, in in which he can come to the party too. So, it's not ideal. It's not not an ideal lineup, um, but it could be as good as England are going to get. Yeah, lots of options uh, is what I hear you're saying. Um, 
And yes, Anderson uh, in Asia, 74 wickets at 27.67 uh, for the for the doubters. Um, Vish, we've kind of touched on some of those backup spin options. There's also the possibility of Rehan Ahmed uh, being thrown into the mix as England's youngest test debutant of all time, uh, although perhaps uh, a little way away from that at this stage. Uh, wait until the panic really sets in. But um, it's going to be a, a big series um, if England are going to do well for Jack Leach, who uh, is is going to have to shoulder a lot of the bowling burden, you'd think, even if the conditions aren't sort of particularly helpful for him. Um, we've talked uh, over the past summer about kind of whether how he strikes that balance between uh, being defensive uh, and then searching for wickets when when um, the, the conditions are more helpful. Uh, and a lot of that, or a lot of the success he had in the the summer was down to how Ben Stokes captained him. Um, so yeah, I mean a, a big a big test for him this tour. Yeah, yeah, it is. I think um, I do wonder if maybe a couple of years down the line, if all things go well, we're going to have to, you know, when we break down the stats of what Jack Leach has done over the last, say, what it would be then, say five years or so, there would be a clear point in the middle where. Ben Stokes becomes test captain where we see maybe the strike rate go down um, a little bit or, you know, rather, you know, he's taking wickets quicker because one of the things Stokes has impressed upon him certainly is that he wants him to indulge the wicket-taking options. Um, I, I think one of the things, you know, ironically, one of the things Jack Leaf was good at was the rarity of being a holding spinner. Um, and it was one of the reasons why you know, when there was talk of Moan Ali coming back into this test setup along with Ali Rashid, it was basically because Leach was there that, you know, those three combined brilliantly in Sri Lanka in 2018. And Leach's strength so far has primarily been keeping the uh, run rate down. Now, that 10-wicket haul um, earlier in the summer was a real, you know, I suppose a red-letter occasion because it was an English spinner doing that, you know, basically leading the attack at home. And, you know, little things like Stokes refusing to give him a long arm and, and telling him that, no, actually, we're not going to start with deep point back. I know that makes you feel comfortable, but let's get you out of your comfort zone. I back you. Um, and so, you know, this the leech that comes out on, on Thursday will be a very different one that has come out in Asia before. You know, even given the success that he's previously had in those conditions. So I, I think he's better equipped for it. I think he's more robust. I think little things that, you know, for example, like um, the fact that he's been able to be more open with his illness. You know, he took a break from Somerset at the back end of the season because he had a flare-up of his Crohn's um, and was openly talking about that. It's quite refreshing. Also, little things like, like, you know, one of England's or certainly English fears in this part of the world is the food and, um, you know, getting ill. Um, and England have a chef. And... You know, maybe I'm, I'm meeting things more than halfway here, but for someone who does, who would generally struggle with, well, certainly have to be very careful about what he puts into his body. I think that'll put Leach at ease. It's one less thing to to think about, and I don't know. You throw that all in together, and he's probably in a better place. He's, you know, from what people are saying, he's a more um, open member of the dressing room in terms of, you know, he's a lot more vocal. He's a lot more himself, I suppose, um, and England uh, had had reaped the benefits of that in the summer and about to do so now, I feel, um, whether it comes in this series or not, I think he um, it, he just seems a little bit taller, even seeing him walk around the hotel and, you know, in the hotel gym, like, he's just got a bit more about him. I think it also helps that a lot of these players that have come into this team are Lions players who've played with Leach before. Everyone knows who he is, everyone gets around him, everyone wants him to do well. And I think we're seeing a new iteration of a bloke who's more than just spectacles and, you know, a bit of a cult hero, really. I wonder if, uh, I wish I was a little bit taller, is on uh, McCullum's boombox uh, selection. I think it should be. I think, he, I think <laughs> if anyone, if anything sums up this England test side, it's Skilo. <laughs> Uh, and that is the conclusion that um, I think this pod was waiting to make. Um, Miller, we we can talk a lot about who England might pick. Um, the other uh, great imponderable is what Pakistan will turn up. And, uh, you know, Vish mentioned 
no Shaheen Afridi. Um, that's obviously a big loss. I think they've named an 18-man squad for uh, for the test, which is more than England have out there. Um, they are obviously uh, uh, well. They're still in contention for the World Test Championship final. They've they've got a, a run of home fixtures, I think, which could help get them up into the the top two. Um, and they. Uh, almost inevitably have a decent record in the limited test cricket they've played at home uh, since the return in 2019. So aside from that loss to Australia, they've won series against Sri Lanka, uh, Bangladesh and South Africa. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, they will be a factor in how England go over the next few weeks as well. Of course they will. I mean, who who knows? I mean, I, I, I won't try to second guess how Abra Ahmed and Muhammad Ali will get on. I mean, I, 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 you know, it's one of those ones just watch and wait. But, uh, you know, it's, it's notable that they've, they've, they've dropped Yassir Shah, for instance. So, uh, you know, they've made, they've made some significant changes to perhaps the, the type of Pakistan test lineup that England have, have, have uh, come up against and often come a cropper against in recent times. Um, but, you know, as England, I'm sure, will be saying in their own press conference, you know, we, we, we're going to look after ourselves. We're going to, you know, worry about what we can do and, and all the rest of it. The, the, the classic cliches that come out at such moments. Um, I don't know. It, 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 you know, they're still, they're still a formidable uh, lineup. You know, they're, they're, they're a team that England, you know, a, lot, a lot of the familiar characters, uh, Babra Zam and Mohamed Rizwan, for instance, England know plenty about them. Shah Massoud, likewise, you know, seem to have been playing them every other day in, in, in white, ball, white ball cricket in the last uh, couple of months. So uh, uh, we will just watch and wait. I mean, Harris Routh's an interesting one. I think, am I right in saying he might he might be making his test debut? Which uh, Yeah, potential uh, debutant. Um, which again is, you know, is fascinating to, to think a guy that England have come, come to know and respect uh, for his for his um, high octane feats in recent times, he, and you know Nassim Shah, you know we talked a lot about that ovary bowled in the in in the, in the T Twenty final to to Joss Butler. I mean, again another exceptional bowler, and you know if you see see him bowling rockets like that in one over, um, it's it's a particular treat to think. I mean, let's let's extrapolate that across an entire Test match, and it's going to be challenging. You know there there is pace and aggression in that lineup that's that the England quite clearly will not be having in this first test in particular. Uh, Mark Wood being fit uh, for the rest of the series could, in my opinion, be absolutely fundamental to England's England's hopes of fighting fire with fire. Um, but, I mean, you know, where, where Pakistan are concerned, it's it, it's always an unknown quantity. Who knows who knows what version will turn up? Um, but it's never dull. And, uh, yeah, we'll watch and wait. <laughs> well, we're, we're fingers crossed that it won't be dull. Uh, over over the 15 days of Test cricket to come, um, a few a few little bits of um, England men's housekeeping, I suppose is the best way to put it. Um, Vish, you were out in the the UAE in, in the week um, in the, the build up there. The England Lions were there. Um, England have named a new men's selector uh, in Luke Wright, um, and and there's sort of I think you were speaking to Rob Key about the overarching kind of structure there that they're working for um, in terms of the jigsaw puzzle that is franchise cricket and so on all year round. Perhaps more interestingly, you also got to, got to see Joffre Archer uh, bowling in the flesh again as, as he um, works towards a comeback uh, sort of a year and a half since his last England appearance. Yeah, yeah. I suppose I'll start with Lou Wright. Um, George Bailey was the name that came up a fair bit, the Australian selector, in terms of someone who has a good grounding in where the game is at the moment and where it's headed, and also just being a bit more in touch with the other players. Um, it's interesting because he's not so much doing Ed Smith's old role, he's doing James Taylor's old role. And I think what's helped him a bit is that James Taylor, I think, did that role as well as he could because it was quite new. And I think he might have found the, I suppose, the fact that he was above the England team and yet still basically the same age as, as that England team. Um, you know, Taylor didn't have to retire, uh, unfortunately, a few years ago. He'd probably be in that middle order. Um Luke Wright's a bit further removed and also because of what Taylor went through, I think the parameters is a bit more clearer, clearly defined for Luke Wright. You know, Key talked about him leaning on that experience, but also with his franchise experience as well, having a good gauge of 
where things are going. And importantly, with his franchise contacts as well. I, I think um, if you look at England's approach to franchise cricket, um, and I suppose the EC, it's more the ECB's approach to franchise cricket over the last few years, they have been a bit more encouraging. There has been a bit more dialogue. Um, and also there, there's a bit more um, English influence in those franchise leagues across the world, especially when you look at the, someone somewhere like Rajasthan Royals, for example, and the England players they've had, and certainly the um, roots that they've tried to put in, in English cricket. I think it's been a bit of a symbiotic relationship, as will be the um, rehabilitation of Jofra Archer. You know, in the summer, I think we reported this, that um, Graham Smith, who's a commissioner of the SA20, had a chat with Rob Key um, about England player availability and developing a level of understanding there. Rob Key, matter-of-factly, said, you know, I know people have central contracts and beyond pulling them out to, you know, for our for our means, we're not going to prevent anyone from, from going over there. We're not going to, you know, be difficult about NOCs and stuff like that. And Joffrey Archer, as part of his rehab, will play two games for MI Cape Town and then go straight into the ODI series um, with Safka, with Safka, which, to be honest, up until a week ago, looked like an absolute nonsense. And now it's going you know, to facilitate, um, I suppose, the return of one of England's most exciting players in a long, long while. Um, as you say, yeah, I saw him out in the UAE. And I'm not going to lie, I'm someone who has taken a lot of the Jofra Archer comeback stuff with a pinch of salt because you just don't know with fast bowlers. Um, and I'm not going to lie, it was exciting he looks he looks incredible I, it's still very very early it's still very very early he he bowled well in the game he bowled a five over spell and a four over spell his six ball he smacked cruelly in the head someone who is known for playing the short ball well um on the third day they played instead of playing that third day they had a two-hour training session he bowled a lot in the middle to Crawley and duck it and he tore them to shreds and we interviewed him, and you know, he, he previously hasn't he hasn't been the best at media engagements because I can, I can understand why he sees it as a bit of a nuisance. I can understand why all of them see it as a bit of a nuisance. And um, he was charming. He was effervescent. He, I think he might have missed doing it. Maybe after eighteen months, maybe he forgot how tedious it can be. Um, but you know, standing up close to him, you'd never say that he was slight, but. Everything seems a bit more fooled out. The the arms are there's a bit more to them. He's he's a bit thicker through the trunk. One of the things people talk about, um, what people have mentioned without maybe explaining, um, is things like bone density and how important that is and in his development. And and Archer was was pretty clear. You know, he said that he would he would love to go to Pakistan, but these next two months are probably more important than the previous however many months of his rehab because it is about not going too quickly um it's not just a fastball problem it's uh, you know people get near the end and they want to they want to rush to it they want to sprint to that finish line he knows as someone who's had a couple of setbacks in the last 18, 18 months that these are the most important few weeks for him and um you know he's on board with it the ecub are on board with it it's important to say that you know he does still have his central contract because they appreciate how important he is and how unique a talent he is but Without saying get excited, I mean, maybe get a little excited because this feels proper. Obviously, the Ashes is there and that's that's part of this roadmap that they've lined up for him in terms of the IPL, some Red Bull games for Sussex and stuff like that. But they seem across it properly. It feels like the first time in a while England have used their resources well. And I suppose you can throw stone and um, wood in this as um, as well, but... You know, you've got Loughborough, you've got all this money, you've got all this information, and finally it feels like it's aligned a bit more to what you're seeing on the field. And I might have to eat those words in a couple of months' time, but, um, yeah, honestly, it, it, it was it was genuinely quite heartening seeing, seeing Joffre out there, and um, I, I feel a little bit more confident about him going forward, even if maybe he doesn't adhere completely to what key outlined is his movements for the next six months. I, I feel like he's in a much better place at the moment. Tell us you're uh, excited about fast bowling without telling us you're excited about fast bowling. Um, <laughs> I think one other one other thing on on the agenda um, for today: England women have done what many of us do at this time of year and turn to John Lewis. 
not for their Christmas shopping, but as new head coach. That is Jonathan Lewis, aged 47, of Gloucestershire in England, rather than Jonathan James Benjamin Lewis, 52, of Essex and Durham um, Miller. Important not to get mixed up there. Are we expecting, he, he touched on this in an interview with uh, our colleague Valkyrie um, last week, are we expecting um, him to bring Basball to the women's team? I mean, to be honest, I think it's there already, isn't it? I mean, you know, when you've got Spire Dunkley opening the batting and Alice Capsi going nuts and all the, all these kids coming through thinking, yee-haw, let's, let's have some fun while the, while the big girls are, are, are resting up. Um, yeah, I think they're already there. And I, I, think, it's, I think it's a good appointment in, in, insofar as, you know, obviously I think uh, Charles Edwards uh, was the obvious sort of shoe-in, uh, perfect, perfect time for... for for you know England's greatest female cricketer to take over, but she felt it's perhaps just a little bit too soon for her, given that there are still significant numbers of familiar uh, familiar teammates within the setup. But give it a few years, when the likes of you know, Heather Knight and, and Catherine Bront have moved on, and and you know perhaps the, the way will be clear for Charlotte Edwards to come back. But in the meantime, I don't see any problem with bringing on board someone like Lewis who. Has spent an awful lot of time within the men's setup, and therefore he's absorbed an awful lot of the the good vibes coming out of England's um, England's recent cricket. You know, he's been he was there as a assistant to McCollum all summer long, and uh, you know, as Valkyrie's interview uh, made it made it abundantly clear. You know, he, he's he's talking he's talking the the basketball uh, straight from the basketball hymn sheet, and and why wouldn't he? I mean, there, there's an awful lot to like about. The way the men have gone about their cricket and there's awful lot to like about the way the girls have gone about their cricket even though so far they haven't been hugely successful you know obviously India are a strong team and the Commonwealth Games went wrong in the absence of of, of, of night in particular um, but you know we've seen what's happened with the hundred and the and the explosion of uh, uh, the groundswell of, of girls who are coming into the game thinking you know what this is fun let's Let's go for the swing for the hills and have some have some fun while we're out there. I think having a coach who's going to come on board and and empower them to 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 play with freedom uh, has, is is the best possible best possible placeholder. I mean, I, hopefully he's more than just that. But you know, I think I think it's the right the right fit. It's certainly the the talk that they came in talking. It feels it also feels like a joined up approach across. The men's and women's game, which I don't think is a bad thing either, because certainly you look at the narrative coming out of the hundred and the fact that you know, the more and more the, the the women's and the men's teams in the hundred are are very much seen as one entity, and for the for the greater good of the game. And and, and, and frankly, the, when the girls weren't playing in the hundred at the beginning of the last summer, it didn't feel like the tournament had properly begun. And then suddenly they came back from the Commonwealth Games, and 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 there was a buzz about it. In a in a similar way. I don't see any harm in in feeling as though, especially next summer, we're going to the Ashes. We're going to be we're going to be I saw a draft um, uh, draft itinerary, and it's quite terrifying the the amount of cricket that's going to be played from from mid June to to mid September. But there's going to be that period of six weeks in June July when you're basically going to be going from Australia men's Australia women's Australia men and all through the all through the one days and and what have you. It's going to be absolute bedlam. But if you feel as though you know, certainly as someone, A, for us reporting on it, but also just people who are going to be tuning in, hopefully, and watching it. If you feel as though there's a common theme between the two teams, they're both playing the same sort of cricket, that, as far as I'm concerned, is, is probably for the for the greater good of English cricket. By the end of that six-week period of, of wall-to-wall men's and women's ashes, and all the marketing has been, you know, the, the, the idea of, you know, Stokes and Brunt on the same, same billboard, um, if they are both playing the same sort of cricket, it could be a fascinating six weeks. So, um, yeah, I'm all I'm all for more alignment on that front. Basball benefits us all, and then it's straight into the hundred, obviously. Um, before then, um, Vish, there there is there's another T20 World Cup, uh, a women's one on the horizon. Um, Heather Knight is fit again for this um, tour. So you're in Pakistan. England women are going to the West Indies, pretty much the other end of the time zones. Um, so I, we won't expect you to be following that too closely. But uh, Heather Knight back to lead the side. Um, Nat Siver returns after after a mental health break. Uh, Catherine Brunt is back as well. So uh, there's lots to be getting stuck into for um, for John Lewis. Yeah, I, I think it will help him having those established heads back. Even someone like Lauren Winfield Hill, who um, got a T20 recall, I think. You know, he talked about 
how he didn't think it was an issue that he doesn't really have a grounding in the women's game. I mean, it obviously it is an issue, but he has to say that in his first press conference, doesn't he? Um, and I think having those players in there, even someone like Kate Cross can, I suppose, be good conduits for him rather the other way. You think of a manager in football and you talk about the generals they have in the dressing room to help spread their message. I think a lot would need to be passed through the other way from you know the players to John Lewis, especially given the number of younger players who have assumed a bit more responsibility during that. I think one of the things we've seen in the last summer is how you know one of the elements of the England men's test side has been trying to empower younger players to do a bit more. You know, Oli Pope getting the captaincy last last week. I don't. I, I'd actually disagree with Miller. Actually, I, I don't feel like the men's and women's games need to be aligned um, because they are, you know, I ultimately see them as, as different sports, especially at the international level. Um, and, you know, the the challenges they face and the opposition they come across. But I do think a lot of the next six months aren't going to really be about John Lewis. I think he'd probably be more of a facilitator. I think that's probably best for him. This team feels like it has a very specific direction and you don't really need to... You, you just need someone to basically to hold the steering wheel, don't you? And, you know, bank on the fact that it's going to be powered in the same way that it was before. Um, Civil is a fascinating one, though, because I think during the Commonwealth Games, you heard a lot about her captaincy. And, and I suppose anger might be the wrong word for this, but there's a lot more passion there. I think Nat has operated mostly as this kind of bristling presence in the middle order um, with a bit of tactical nows that you don't really see. And I think push to the fore, I wonder if that, um, you know, certainly changed her game in some way. So I, I think above all else, Heather coming back and her being the side would be a unique challenge. Because I think that was always seen as the natural successor tonight if she ever wanted to, you know, give up the captaincy. But I think we also saw the back in the last year how much Knight actually does, um, how much she kind of, runs things whether it's in the dressing room or out in the middle so yes it, it, we're at an interesting tipping point I, I, I don't want to i was going to use the word golden generation i don't think that's particularly fair because i think there's a lot more left in in those older players but it, it does feel like this this might be the perfect meeting of young and old going into that t20 world cup in south africa uh, and they have won a World Cup, I suppose. Um, yeah, well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, Siva, I don't think, is is coming back as vice-captain. Um, uh, is that right? She's uh, she's sort of stepping away from those leadership duties for now. Sorry, in terms of what she did um, when she stepped in for, for night over the summer, that is, yeah. Yeah. OK, well, we will be across that, of course. Uh, I think that just about covers everything for today. Three Lions is in the charts once again as England's men head east in their latest quest for glory. But will the DARFA News Presents KFC Test Series trophy be coming home for Christmas? Who knows? We'll be back next week to Ponder Pindi and Mull Multan. Until then, my thanks to Miller and Vish and to you all for tuning in to the Switch It podcast on ESPNCrickInfo.com.